Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Greetings, passengers of the Brace in Place podcast, a podcast all about the TV show Snowpiercer. As always, I will be your conductor slash host, Hillary. Be advised that this podcast does contain spoilers, so use caution as needed. Themes of suicide are also discussed, so care for yourself while listening. In today's episode, I will review Season 2, Episode 6, titled Many Miles from Snowpiercer. We will conduct an episode recap, move on to questions, theories, and predictions, and as always, we'll end with our segment, What Random, Burning, Completely Unrelated, and Irrelevant Question About the Train Has Hillary Asked This Week? But first, brace in place for our official entry into this week's episode. All right. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me. Hoo-wee. This is such an amazing episode. I am so excited to talk about it. I just loved this episode. But first, just a couple of hospitality things here to talk about. Um, as always, feel free to find the group on Facebook. Just search for Brace in Place Podcast. Um, I've seen a few new people come in this last week. So welcome. We're happy to have you. We've been having some fun discussions about the episode and different theories that are going on. So look us up on Facebook and join us so that we can talk about our love of this wonderful show. And if you feel so inclined, feel free to leave an iTunes review. Um, It does help people find the show easier and it just makes me feel good. So feel free to do that. If you leave me a review with some text, with a narrative, um, I'll probably read it out loud on the show. So feel free to keep that in mind as well. So Let's get started. Let's dive right into this recap of this amazing episode. This was the Melanie episode. This was where we got to find out what has been going on with our girl Melanie as she left the train, the only person really to to leave the train um, in the seven years that it's been circling the earth. She left to go work with the climate model and help gain data so that she could help um, everybody on Snowpiercer eventually get off that damn train and start living a life on Earth. And so we've just been wondering these last couple episodes, what's going on with her? Um, There was a little time where she wasn't pinging as she was expected to. And remember last week, uh, Ruth decided to have everybody lie to keep the hope alive. And so now we got to finally find out what was going on with Melanie over in that, um, what did they call it? That That little place, that little climate room building thing. Um, So what started was in this episode was Melanie, you see her riding on a snowmobile and she's got a big package of stuff that the snowmobile is kind of tugging behind her. Um, There's some mechanical items there that she needed to bring with her to get the climate model information that she needed. But then her rations are on there too. So she's dragging this sled kind of thing behind the snowmobile and she can see the building in front of her, but something happens to the snowmobile. Um, I would have to think that a lot of these electronics 
would not really work very well if they'd been in such cold temperatures for such an extended period of time. Uh, but I guess that might be kind of a uh, suspension of disbelief type of thing that we need to just not uh, look into too much. So, but I guess we do kind of look into it a little bit because the snowmobile did eventually bust, um, stopped working, and she had to walk. Um, so you see her just trudging through the snow, carrying what she could. Um, so my guess is she brought the mechanical stuff that she needed, but she left her rations um, thinking, I'll go back and get that later. So as she's walking up to the building, she's immediately confronted with her first dead body. Um, she will find others as she uh, continues in her time there away from Snowpiercer. First guy that she sees, first dead body is a guy at the door, um, right, kind of right outside the door, and he's got a bullet in his head. Um, kind of scares the shit out of her. She isn't really expecting that. Um, so there's that guy. So we'll return to that guy later as we keep going through the episode. Eventually, she feels a little bit of a rumble. Um, she's very sensitive to this. She's she's used to, you know, putting her hand on her, you know, surroundings and trying to feel the train. Um, so she's she's used to trying to figure out her surroundings in that way. But um, she this is an avalanche. Um, so she feels a little bit of a rumbly and it's an avalanche. She goes outside eventually and sees that there is a giant pile of snow blocking her from where her sled is and she can't get her rations. So immediately from from the get-go of this episode, you're immediately thinking, how is she going to figure this out? How is she going to do this? What is our girl going to do? Cue dead person number two. Then dead person number two, we see um, she, Melanie goes inside and she sees um, a, a dead lady in a chair that had slit her wrists. And eventually Melanie just kind of wheels her outside and just kind of tips her over and dumps her. Um, I, I would think it would be kind of hard to focus in that building and hard to sleep and, and all that if you know that there's a dead body in there. So I, I don't blame her for... Um, for taking that dead body and, and putting it outside. Um, at, at some point she also sees a naked dead body outside um, and part of a limb chopped off, um, which we eventually see um, an arm, I think it was in the fridge. And so you kind of start to wonder what was going on with these people. Um, how long had they been there? How long had these people, the, the dead guy outside, with the bullet hole, the other dead guy, and then um, and then the dead lady in the chair. What happened between the two of them, or the three of them? So what's what's going on with them? Um, and we'll we'll continue to get into that. Um, throughout this whole episode, you see Melanie have these flashbacks. Um, and you don't know, is she kind of reminiscing about these situations that happen now that she's away from Snowpiercer and has some time to just kind of sit there and think? Um, but it was a really cool way for the show to give us some information that I know I'd been really wanting. Um, I'd been really, I, I am fascinated by these flashbacks and what what happened the night that the train departed. Um, the first episode, the, the pilot episode, season one, episode one is one of my favorite episodes of TV I've ever watched. And I think it's just because you can feel the intensity, you can feel how desperate all of these people were to survive. And it just I love end of the world shows like this, because you're just constantly thinking, or at least I am, what would I do in that situation? You know, how would I, 
Would I try to, to kind of, you know, elbow my way in there? Would I, you know, do what some other people did where you kind of throw your kids on, you know, just to get them safe. And then whatever happens to you is whatever happens to you. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But we, the first flashback that we see is Wilford and Melanie. And it's clear that this, um, that this flashback happened before they departed, but after they'd kind of completed making Snowpiercer. And so <clears throat> Wilford, being the showy bastard that he is, has some champagne and is wanting to toast Melanie to their amazing creation that they collaborated on. He even gives her a compliment saying, you know, you you played just as much a part in creating this as I did. Um, you're not going to hear me say that in public, but I did you know, but he did kind of give her a compliment and she, I loved this scene. She's not having it. Um, he wants to have this moment to gloat and she takes the drink and sits down and is kind of touching the, you know, the buttons and the dashboard there, just kind of talking about what it's going to be like to drive her. And she's, she's just not having it. She doesn't want to have a moment where she's giving them credit for that. She's in problem solving mode. She wants to get this thing up and running. So I, I liked that part. We find out um, also around that time that um, some shit kind of went down with Javi. Um, he, we find out that he didn't know that they were stealing Snowpiercer until they were two days in. Um, and so that kind of gives you a little bit of backstory about Javi. Um, he's he's always kind of, he, he's such an anxious guy. He's just so tense, you know, the way that this character is portrayed. And you kind of have to wonder, I, I want to know more about that. Um, I want to know more about Javi. What what happened with that? Um, did they just kind of lie to him and say, oh, Wilford's in the back or, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden he's told, well, we left Wilford behind and you're going to have to lie about this for the next several years. What happened with that? But we, but at least we know a little bit. At least we know Javi um, didn't know anything about that and wasn't really a part of stealing snow, stealing Snowpiercer until they were two days in. We also find out that Melanie was fighting during that time to get more geneticists. I don't know if I'm saying that word right, but genetic scientists. Um, she wanted more people on Snowpiercer that can help create life and can help sustain life. She wanted more scientists on there, which makes complete sense. But what did Wilford want? He wanted more jackboots, which if you can remember back to season one, um, the jackboots were the military uh, part of the um, of the setup over there. So jackboots were military, uh, brakemen were police, and and Wilford loves order. This was this point was hammered home during this episode. He wanted he wants order. That is how he feels. Um, he can he can be happy on Snowpiercer. That's what makes sense to him. And so he wants more people on board to help him um, maintain that order. And she's uh, and she's fighting for those geneticists. They they eventually end up kind of coming to a compromise. Um, but I'm looking at my notes here. I can't remember exactly when it happened, so I'll just talk about it now. Um, during all of the chaos of the departure date, um, Wilford is really wanting to hit the point home that he is in control and that he is running this train. And he she says, but th those are the scientists out there. You need to let them in because the military people are holding these people back and not letting them on the train, even though they have tickets. And Wilford, he just doesn't care. He just says, kill them, kill them all. 
And so that's what happens. Um, and Melanie has to kind of witness this whole thing. And Ben is there too. And they are mortified. Um, there was, I think, six of them and, and their families. And Wilford just basically orders them to be executed because he wants those jackboots on there. And because he just doesn't want Melanie to have a say in anything. He wants to be in control of it. As Melanie is continuing on um, on her mission away from Snowpiercer to get this information, she starts, she's, she's having these flashbacks, um, but she's also having some hallucinations while she's there where she's seeing, um, she's seeing uh, Wilford and they're having talks back and forth. Eventually she sees Layton and they interact and then eventually Alex makes an appearance too. So is this related to her having some altitude adjustment issues? Is it due to the fact that she's not eating because she left her rations behind and then they got trapped by the avalanche? Um, Is she bored? Is she just kind of going a little crazy because she's away from the place that she's used to and she's got the pressure of saving humanity on her? It's a lot to bear. Um, But she has one rations pack, which I don't know how, how long those were supposed to last, but she's definitely supposed to have more than that. Plus a few little, they looked like mints or something, um, some little candies that Ben sweetly tucked away in her uh, bag. Then she sets them all out and knows that that's what she has to sustain her for a month. And that's, that's not enough. Uh, That's just not enough. So something's got to give and something does give, which we will get into later. There was a moment where she she sees Leighton and Leighton is kind of sitting across the room from her and Melanie is just so hungry. She opens up the rations pack and she tries licking the wrapper just to get anything, just to get some crumbs that can help um, sustain her for this month. And Leighton kind of senses the, a bit of irony with that, that she played a part in keeping the tale as suppressed as it was for as long as it did. And he says something to her about how hunger's kind of a bitch. I'm not going to rub it in your face. But then she says, well, you are kind of rubbing it in my face. But it's it's a deserved point. Uh, it's a point well well taken. Um, so I thought that was um, that was a good part. Then as we're sitting there just kind of gathering this cl- climate data and messing with the computers and whatnot, we see a little rat go by. Um, at first, I thought maybe it was a mouse, but as the episode went on, it's pretty clear these are rats. Um, and she, you know, I, I immediately kind of wondered, is that also a hallucination? How could there be rats? Um, so she sets up a trap, which was, there's just so many moments in this show that I think, I, I wonder if I would have even a tiny bit of intellect to do something like that. Um, she sets up this this whole system with a bucket and a little tube to, to you know, trap the rat. And it's, it's very complex, um, but it works. Um, and of course, being an engineer, she's, she's incredibly intelligent. She's incredibly capable of, of creating these kinds of things. Maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit. Maybe if I were trapped and had nothing else to do with my time, maybe I'd be able to come up with some kind of janky setup, but it probably wouldn't work. Let's just be real. But anyway, so she sets a trap and we find out what happens with the rats later. Um, As she's hallucinating, she's having some talks with Wilford about what possibly happened with the lady. You know, there's an idea that maybe the lady killed the husband because he was starting to get sick and then she killed herself. Um, 
not really sure what's going on with that. Uh, maybe we'll find out more about them, or maybe they'll just be kind of maybe it'll just be kind of a side note because I don't know how those people could be reintroduced to the story later on. I don't know, um, but that happened. Then we continue to get more um, more information about the rats, and so Melanie catches a rat. Hooray! She catches a rat, um, and so I think maybe other people thought this too. She's going to eat that little thing. She's going to stick a stick a stick at him, a skewer. I don't know what she would do, but she's going to do something and um and she's going to eat him. But no, Melanie Cavill knows better than that. She's smart and I I hope that if I'm ever in a situation like this, I'm going to do a like what would Melanie Cavill do? She decides I'm going to put some some ink type of situation something on his feet. I don't know exactly what she did, but um she gets his feet wet with something that turns the ground black. And so she sets him free and watches where he scampers off to. And because he had this uh stamp material on his feet, she can watch exactly where he goes. And so through this, she finds a teeny tiny little hole um, over in another part of the building. And uh, she pulls the, you know, the drywall out and just kind of, you know, pulls everything apart so that she can stick her head behind the wall and see what's in there. And you see kind of a, a hot springs looking type setup that's back there. Um, but it's warm and there's this big rock and it was called a geothermal vent, um, which I, I'm not sure what that means, but, um, but there was a lot of rats. Um, there's a lot of rats crawling around back there. And so it's, uh, it's fascinating and she's fascinated by this. Um, during this, uh, during this rat encounter, Alex was with her, um, her hallucination of Alex, I should say. And they're talking about how maybe the rats could have lived all this time. And, you know, they had the heat of the spring that was right there. And at one point, Alex says something to her about how she, she finally understands why she left her the way that she did. Um, and it, it, the, the, the scene didn't go on any further than that. It was just, that was it. Um, so I'll get into my theories about that as we continue here. Um, let me see. I'm looking at my, oh yeah. Okay. So then the satellite tips over big chaotic moment. Um, she's sitting in front of the computer trying to gather data and everything just goes blank. She loses all the data and goes outside and the satellite that was helping gather all that information has just tipped over. Um, it's windy. It's kind of storming outside. Um, so what's she going to do? She takes some insulation that looks weirdly like the thing that, um, Pike used to kill Terrence last episode, um, looked like the same kind of thing. So, and she just sprays it all over kind of this window situation to help keep everything warm in there. So, um, now we know that that's, that's a thing. So I think it was insulation that killed, uh, killed Terrence. And, she goes outside and she basically fixes the satellite. So it's just another moment in Snowpiercer where you think, oh, hell, everything's, everything's screwed up. Um, humanity is, is gone forever, but then Melanie saves the day. <laughs> so it ended up not really being anything. Um, as one, one interesting point to know as that I forgot to say earlier, as Wilford and Melanie were talking about their possible theories of the couple that died, 
Um, Wilford says something super creepy about suicide like that, that it can transform you. Um, and Melanie is just really like, what the, what the hell are you talking about? Um, it was, it was a moment where you kind of got a little bit, even more of a peek into Wilford's psyche and everything that's going on in there. And I loved these, these moments where you get to see Melanie starting to stick it to him, um, because he needs it stuck to him, um, over and over again, repeatedly, because he's horrible. We find out then that, um because there's so many rats back to the rats that Melanie can catch them and eat them because there's so many of them. Um, and so you see her stick a, a stick in it and kind of cook it over some little hot plate Bunsen burner looking thing. Um, and she's eating it and she, it, it didn't look like she was having any trouble at all. So um, she had, you know, she hadn't eaten in days, so she was starving. And so she finally got to have a nice meal of rat meat she has been trying to radio in saying Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer, do you copy Ben, Javi, Alex, are you there? And no response. So now she knows that it's about time to start moving. Uh, Snowpiercer is going to be coming around the corner to pick her up. And so even though she hasn't gotten any feedback from them, she's she puts on her pack and she decides to go out there and see if they're out there to pick her up. The last scene that we see is her in her um, in her cold suit and her snowsuit. Um, Snowpiercer's coming around the corner and she's running towards it, yelling, "I'm here! I'm here!" And you see Snowpiercer with Big Alice attached to the back, and um, Alex is at the very back end of of uh, Big Alice and it seems that Alex was the one maybe putting on the brakes. I'm not, not sure about that, but the brakes are being put on. There's fire and you know, the, the brakes are clearly, um, there's some resistance. The brakes aren't just, you know, the whole, the whole train is not being braked. Um, just big Alice. It seemed that Snowpiercer was trying to trudge forward. So you see sparks flying, fire flying everywhere. Um, and that was the end of the scene. <laughs> you see um, Melanie there trying to get on the train and being left behind while Alex is at the end of the train, looking at her through the window, screaming, mom, mom, mom. And then that's the end of the scene. So that's where it left. Oh my gosh, my heart is racing just thinking about this episode. It was so wonderfully done. And um, the the times that there, you know, it, it got into um, something that we've all wondered, what was it like when Melanie had to make that decision to leave or to stay and have her child? And it, you know, she, she played that moment so so beautifully. It was, it was heart wrenching to watch. She, she was ugly crying up there. Um, and I, I give credit to any actor who's willing to sacrifice how they look for a scene like that, because it gets the point across that this was a devastating decision for her because Ben was telling her, we have to go now. Um, we have to go now because it's the only way <clears throat> that all of us can be saved and it's the only way that we can have this train without Wilford because he's going to, he's going to screw us all over basically. Um, and so she kind of had to choose, do I, do I wait and possibly save my daughter, but then we're all maybe going to be dead anyway, or do we just go? And I'm just going to, you know, realize that my daughter is now going to be dead. <clears throat> 
excuse me. So that I, it was just, it was so powerful. Um, and I, I really enjoyed getting a glimpse into that. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to watch that episode or at least that part of that episode again. I have a daughter that is about the same age as Alex would have been during the big freeze. And so it's a little bit too real for me, but I might, I might if I watch the episode again, fast forward through that part um, because it's almost too real. Um, so now let's let's talk about the questions. Let's talk about unanswered questions and things to maybe look forward to. There there was a lot that was not addressed in this issue in this um, episode. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have like the teeniest little frog in my throat and it will not go away. Let me take a drink. <clears throat> okay. Um, okay, so lots of things that we don't know anything about. So um, we don't know what's the aftermath of the Breachman murders. Um, what's going on with Till? What's going on with the pastor? Um, what's going on with Audrey and Wilford? There's there's a lot of things that we don't know anything new about because this episode was focused solely on Melanie, obviously. So hopefully in episodes to come, we'll get all of these answers. Um, one of the main questions that um, that I had that came up in a lot of chatter on the Facebook groups that I'm on was, um, was the ending a hallucination? Um, she was already hallucinating when she was in the building. She was seeing Wilford. She was seeing Layton. She was seeing, um, Alex, but, um, so, so it wouldn't be out of line for her to be, to be hallucinating at the end there. But that kind of made me think though, if she was hallucinating while she was in the building because she was so hungry, then she got a, a tummy full of rat meat. So in theory, she wouldn't really be, that hungry, her body should be cooperating a little bit more. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Like we said, there was a lot of other factors that could have been making her um, have an affected uh, mental state as well. Just the stress of it all, the altitude, the cold, um, plus the fact that she was eating rat meat, um, as we'll get into a little bit with my random burning, completely irrelevant question. Um, that can cause some sickness as well, if not done properly. So that's a, an unanswered question as well. Was was that a hallucination? Was she actually running after Snowpiercer? Um, or did she make that all up in her mind? To be determined. To be determined. Um, also, let's see, an unanswered question. Um, how, how did Wilford... Uh, we see Wilford outside of the train and as big Alice or excuse me, as Snowpiercer is pulling away seven years ago. So he's outside and you see him realize, Oh shit, I'm getting left behind. Um, how did he find big Alice? How did he find Alex and whatever happened to Melanie's parents? Because they were supposed to be with Alex as well. So, um, I'm just kind of curious about how that whole thing went down. Did he, did he take a cab over to Big Alice? Um, cause it was getting colder. That's why all those people were there. Cause they knew that it was getting colder by the minute and they, this was their last chance at survival. So kind of wondering what, what happened with that particular moment and what happened after, uh, Snowpiercer pulled away to go on its journey. What happened with Wilford then? I'd like to know a little bit more about that. Um, so some predictions about what happened. So what was going on on Snowpiercer while Melanie was up doing her, um, doing her engineering scientific stuff, um, away from the train. 
I think personally that during that month, um, we all know that all of the stuff went down with the breachmen, <clears throat> um, that lights had her attack still un unsolved. So there's, there's some shady people on Snowpiercer that are doing some really bad stuff. Um, what I think happened is at some point during the second half of that month, Wilford and Ben get in a fight and Wilford tries to take over, um, takes over Snowpiercer and tries to plow through the area that they're going to pick up Melanie and Alex somehow is in control of Big Alice and puts on the brakes enough to stop it a little bit. I, I just, I, I don't think Melanie's going to die. She's signed on for season three. It just doesn't make sense to me. So somehow Melanie's going to get her butt back on that train. And I think Alex is going to be playing a big part in that. Um, I think Ben is going to be kind of uh, an afterthought with all this. I could see it being like Wilford comes in and knocks him over the head with a a beer bottle or something and he's passed out in the corner until he wakes up and everything's fine. Um, I wonder if Javi will play a part in this. There's some chatter online about Javi being kind of a, a, a Wilford informant cause he's kind of shady. He's kind of sketchy, but you know, I'm remembering the time that he saved Melanie when she was going to get the ice, icy lung or whatever they called it. Um, he's the one that came in and saved her. So I, I think Javi's on, on the good side. I think he, um, I think something might happen with him where he comes in and somehow plays a part in saving Melanie. We also don't know what's going on with Icy Bob. Possibly Nicey Bob. Um, possibly not so Nicey Bob. I, I don't know. Maybe he'll come in and somehow be able to go outside and, and swoop up Melanie uh, before her battery pack on her cold suit you know, expires or whatever. Um, so maybe we'll see Nicey Bob come in and play a part in this too. So there's my questions. There's some of my predictions. Um, it was kind of a little bit of a short segment there because this episode was so heavily focused on, um, on Melanie that we're, you know, there's a whole huge part of the story that we're just totally on hold with. Um, but like I said, what a, what a great episode. Um, I've, I've not thought as much about eating rats as I have in the last, um, 16 hours or so. Um, I, I've, I've never really thought about it. Um, but now I have. And so now on to our last segment, um, the random burning, completely irrelevant question that Hillary has asked about the train this week, which is kind of, um, kind of a, a little bit of a cheat because, um, because this isn't technically a question about the train. Um, this was kind of related to Melanie being off of the train, but I don't think you guys will really care. So my, my random burning, completely irrelevant question is, um, is it healthy to eat a cooked wild rat? Um, and how would one go about doing that? So I guess it's kind of a two-part question. Um, while doing a little bit of research for, um, for is it healthy to cook a wild rat? Um, you know how when you type into Google, it'll auto-finish um, what you type out. So if you're looking for restaurants near me, you know, in Chicago, like sometimes it'll, it'll complete that for you based off of your location or whatever. Um, sometimes it'll com complete what you, the question just because it's just guessing. Um, so 
a couple little funny things. When I searched for, is it healthy to eat a cooked wild rat? Google typed up um, some other questions that it has been asked recently, apparently. Um, is it healthy to eat sperm? Um, so somebody asked that somewhere in the world. Um, lots of people have probably asked that. Is it healthy to eat boogers? Um, I've always heard it's okay. Um, sometimes they can have protein in it, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe that's sperm. I don't know. Um, is it healthy to eat snow? Um, like Olaf says, as long as it's not yellow, I guess it's okay. I don't know. Um, and another person asked on uh, Google, is it healthy to eat female sperm? So while this kind of made me giggle a little bit, it also made me really think, my God, we need comprehensive sex education in this country that people are searching for things related to female sperm. Um, but anyway, I digress. I just thought that was kind of interesting and um, thought I would point that out. One of the first things that popped up in my Google search about is it healthy to eat a cooked wild rat was an old Reddit thread that I will share with you um, that was posted on a lovely subreddit called r slash no stupid questions. Um, so what a wonderful place to be able to ask anything um, and have a non-judgmental kind response from strangers on the internet. Um, you know, the internet's not all bad. So a, a user by the name of Elephant Hormones posted, um, I had a dream I was stranded in the middle of nowhere with two potatoes. One of them was massive. A huge rat came up and took a bite out of the p big potato. So I hit it with the big potato and it died. I was so hungry, I decided to make a rat stew, but I woke up before I could eat it. Now I'm paranoid that this will happen in real life, and I need to know if I'll catch some disease from eating the rat. I'd make sure it's well cooked, of course. So... I, I can identify with this user um, with uh, elephant hormones because my dreams can be really, really vivid sometimes. Um, you know, you wake up and you had a dream that your husband cheated on you, so you're, you know, irritated and pissy with him all day. I've totally done that. Um, so this guy had a dream about making a rat stew, but didn't get to finish it in the dream and just woke up thinking, can I actually make a rat stew? Would that be a safe thing to do? So some very kind, wonderful users on the internet responded to this guy and said, um, so the top rated comment, the top rated reply to this guy was by a user by the name of must be Thursday. And this person says, um, and I guess I, I assumed elephant hormones was a male. I don't know why. Um, I, I don't know anything about any of these people. So we'll just say this person um, must be Thursday. This person says, yeah, rats are edible. They aren't inherently diseased or anything. I don't know that I'd want to eat one from an urban center, which might have been crawling through garbage or sewer or something or sewage or something, but a wild rat shouldn't be any more dangerous to eat than a wild rabbit. I'm pretty sure there was even a season of Survivor where wild rats ended up being one of the main sources of food. There are, however, certain parts of the world where it's still possible to catch the plague, the southwestern United States, for example. So even though a well-cooked rat might be safe to eat, you still might want to watch out for any fleas it might have on it. That Okay, so end of that comment there. Um, fleas, there's like, of course I, you know, oh my God. Um, so, okay, so rats have fleas. So this, that's that's pretty horrible. Um, can you get the plague from that? I don't know. Um, I kind of stopped researching once I got to rat fleas. Um, but 
from everything else that I read, it seems that as long as you cook the rat thoroughly, um, you'll probably be okay. But it depends on um, what were the rats eating. And so if the rats are eating sewer and garbage and, you know, or each other, um, that's going to lead to more parasites and germs and on all that kind of stuff. So you kind of wonder, how were those rats um, that Melanie cooked, how were they sustaining themselves? What were they doing? Were they eating each other? Did they have some other kind of secret food source? Um, my husband said something about them eating the dead people, but they didn't look like they'd been eaten up by rats. And plus, they're frozen. So how would they even do that? Um how thoroughly did she cook the rats? Um, that seems to be something else that I found out uh, that, that came up over and over again. How thoroughly did you did, do you cook it? She had some kind of janky little setup. I don't know what was going on with that. But, um, you know, you want that to be you want your rats to be well, well cooked, it seems. Um, another point to think about is um, there's not a ton of meat on the rats. You know, they're pretty small little animals. And so, you know, it showed her cooking one at a time. Um, it might be kind of a crawfish kind of situation where y you have a lot of effort put into eating something, but little payoff. Um, you know, if you've ever had crawfish, you kind of spend five minutes taking the thing apart for one tiny little bit of meat that's about the size of your fingernail. Um, so, you know, she might have needed to cook a few. There might be a, another kind of, you know, um, suspension of disbelief type of thing with that. But it also made me think a little bit about the stigma that we have towards certain foods. Because, you know, I mean, obviously, when we think of any animal having fleas that we're eating, that's icky. Um, but, but what is... But it's grosser with rats. Why? Why? Is it because they're they're varmin, they're going around in sewers, they like to eat garbage, they're little and, and icky and can get on you. But there's a lot of cultures that, that eat rats a lot. Um, we're just not one of them here in America. Um, and so there's a stigma towards it. There were some really interesting articles on the internet that... Um, the, when I needed to kind of pivot away from the flea situation, um, there was a lady that I saw that actually was a vegetarian for many years, but she was also an artist and she did a, um, a kind of a, a show all about how to eat rats. Um, and that was the first time she broke her vegetarianism streak for like 15 years to eat rat. Um, because she believes that some of these skills, like how to skin an animal and how to make clothes out of an animal hide and how to eat meat like this, um, that they're kind of dying skills and it's kind of scary. And I, she's got a point. Um, what if something like Snowpiercer happened and none of us know how to do any of these kind of survivalist things? But we've got the we've got the stigma against rats, but it's it's so socially constructed. Um, my husband and I have talked about this that you know the thought of the thought of drinking goat milk might seem a little icky to some people, but people that drink goat milk might think drinking cow milk is really weird when it's really, it's the exact same thing. <laughs> it's milk that you get from milking of an animal. Um, why is any one different than the other? I, I don't know. It's, it's all kind of socially constructed. So I, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be trying rat meat anytime soon, but um, feel free to join the Facebook group and let me know your thoughts on rats and everything rat related, except maybe the fleas. I don't know if I can do that. Um, 
So that wraps up this episode of Brace in Place. Thank you for joining me. And as Andre Layden has said to Melanie, hunger's a bitch, ain't it? What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.